Welcome to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. Woo-hoo! We're the podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss the week in LGBT history. History. history nope. Is I thought we had survived. Oh, no. I was like, so, we're Kendall, two seconds in and he's not singing yet. She hate. He hates songs. This will be my last podcast. Oh, <laughs> announced. Because of the goiter? Because he's got... Because of all the jingles. <laughs> we are Thomas. Tony. Kendall. All right, and this week we're reviewing the week of November 10th through the 16th, and we'll discuss The Normal Heart, Oprah, and her AIDS episode in 1987, and a TV special called An Early Frost. Speaking of frosty, it's kind of chilly in Houston. Today was an early frost. Yeah. It's freezing in Houston. Freezing. Wow. I don't know about freezing. Mr. Montana. I've adapted. I cannot handle there this. There was a frost. I mean, Your nipples there wasn't... Look- like they haven't adapted yet. Can we there just was, stop this podcast? Go to the gay bar. There My was, nipples are. <laughs> there was an early frost actually today. I kind of geeked out about the, about that on the rooftops. There was frost. Yeah, there was on my neighbors. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. fun to That's see. That's your cataracts. It makes oh, everything milky. No, blurry. I do have those. So does Carter. But I'm in good. I'm in good company. So, uh, so what? How was the week? Anything? Anything fun? Exciting? Week was good. Nothing major. No. I did read. You know what's sad is that every time, every week, we're like. Nothing exciting. Y'all are boring. Well, this week, uh, Bogota, Colombia elected their first lesbian mayor. What? Yeah. Viva Bogota, oh, Colombia. See, um, yeah. So I, I think that's like kind of cool because you know Latin America is historically very, um, you know, Catholic, and so they're kind of a little bit old school. So they elected like their first lesbian mayor, which is pretty cool. Was her platform fish and bread for everybody? Yes. Well, she is. Her platform is anti-corruption and making life better for the common person. So, yes, like, fish sure and bread. Got all sorts of corruption going on. Like all politicians are corrupt, as we've seen. But in she's probably corrupt. less corrupt well, than everyone else. She Thank just, you. She's not even inaugurated. Exactly. Colombia is so. Have you been? Have you guys been to Colombia? I was once for yeah. work for I two went days. For work once. How was when you went with work? Did you get? I had. We had an escort. We were in an armored car, and there was a lead escort car in front of us. You have the same thing. No, so well, they didn't care about you. I found out I had to go to Columbia, so he I'm like, okay. In Houston. And so, <laughs> like, I just, you know, I, I've traveled internationally. I'm like, whatever. So, I oh, he's got a passport. <laughs> so, I was supposed to he's land at like I don't know two p.m. or whatever, and there was freezing rain in Houston, so my flight kept getting delayed. So I land in Bogota, Colombia, at like midnight, one, two in the morning, something like that. So the first thing I do when I travel somewhere is as soon as I land at the airport, I go to the ATM and get some local cash so I have some local currency. So I go to the ATM, get some local cash, and then I walk out, and there's all these people like, hey, taxis. I'm like, sure, taxi driver. So I get in this taxi, and literally it is so dark there. You can't even see out the windows. It's like kind of crazy. I'm like, okay. And he just keeps driving and driving and driving. I'm like, okay. He drove me right to my hotel, didn't speak any Spanish. So I just pull out my money, and he's like, um, he takes a bill and makes him change. And I'm like, okay, thank you. And so, totally honest, whatever. So the next day, I, you know, meet my coworker, and he goes, oh my God, no. He goes, you should have gotten a car because he's like, there's a fake taxi cab driver. Yeah, he goes, there's legit taxis and fake. So. A couple, so I have a couple days of work, and then I was like, okay, I'll stay an extra day for just personal. So I go like hike this, you know, thing in town. It's like the Montserrat. Um, and then I go to the base, and I'm like, okay, I want to get a taxi home. 
And so I walk into this hotel and, or I asked somebody, I said, you know, where do I get a taxi? They said, oh, go into a hotel and say, here's the hotel where I'm staying and have the hotel call you a taxi because what's common. And they said, make sure you call your hotel and say, I'm getting in a taxi. I will be there in like 20 minutes because what happens is Joe Schmo American just like, hey, I need a taxi. Mm-hmm. They drive you to the middle of nowhere and like fucking mug you and they leave you. They take all your money and they're like, good luck. Just walk back to town. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. So it pays to be naive. But it's cute. Oh, very cute. Now we just call those Ubers. That's like, I don't care. No, when when (laughs) I met you in Rome, there was a guy that said, you need a taxi, follow me. And I walked like four (laughs) blocks and I'm like, this does not seem legit. And he he says, we're here. And I said, that's your taxi. It was like a little Toyota Tercel. Well, of 1981. course. First time I went to Thailand, I, that happened to me. I said, I ain't getting yoga. Or... Yeah, there was a, uh, but it was a Mercedes. So I was like, oh, this, but it was like, Ooh. it should have been like, but they were all Mercedes. That's like what they drive. But anyways, it was you had like. one-up my Tercel. It, <laughs> yeah. It, it was, uh, it was like a hundred bucks. And I was like, everyone else paid like 25 through the hotel. So, <laughs> oh my God. My, yeah, my, but my you pocket. fell for it in Rome. I did? No, not in Rome. Well, maybe it was Rome. Maybe it was in Thailand. Maybe it was Rome. I don't remember. Anyways, but, yeah. But you survive. See, I, I feel all those stories like, you know what? You survive. I feel very few people end up dead or mugged. Because you never hear back from them. I know. Well, yeah, But I don't know. I mean, that's that's good that you had that experience. I mean, they had us on lockdown. That's good that you um, almost died. When um, when I went to Columbia. When I was in Bogota, every single block, security guard with a drug-sniffing dog. Yeah. Every block. No, they had like military with mm-hmm. big rifles. Yeah, it was. Cool. Yeah, I was the first time I'd seen that. It was now they're gonna be sniffing that. Like, mayor now. Yeah, I know. Ooh, the ladies are at least. <laughs> Anything else happened? Poli- oh, speaking of mayors and politics, uh, presidents. Uh, you think he's gonna get impeached? I don't know. The House voted, which was silly that Nancy did. I, the only reason I think Nancy Pelosi went ahead with that vote uh, for, to to move forward with impeachment proceedings was because she's. I mean, Kendall, you always give her a lot of credit for being super sharp. And, like, she must have the goods to be like, we're going to take this sucker down. No, that's not it. The Republican talking points were, it's a sham witch hunt. They're not even letting us have anything to say, which is a lie. It's exactly what the other two times someone else was impeached they did. Um, They were just making it like, you're not letting us have an open forum. So she said, okay, we'll vote on it. We'll make it. So she was taking that argument away from them. Well, the yeah. difference being that, like, with Clinton, they had a special prosecutor. They did away with that. So there's no special prosecutor, and the House is fulfilling that role, right? Yeah. And, and so I they do feel like— they still had the inquiry that they're doing now. They still had the little investigative hearing before it was official. Yeah. And I do feel like they're just under public pressure. Like, there's a lot of people that are like, I want him in peace, and so they're kind of following through on that. Yeah, but versus... this isn't even—I mean, all this does is— it, did really nothing it was just no a, it just brings him to the table or partially like moves him towards yeah i mean it was a, it, it shuts was, up the republican argument yeah but it was tries a, to it was a what do you call it like just a, a move to she just did it for show like, i i do think a lot up. of it is just political maneuvering because i don't know that anything will be resolved before 2020 yeah. before november 2020 so he's getting impeached though because of this ukrainian call right i mean it has nothing to do with Mueller, and it has to yeah. do with the fact that he told the ukrainians on a call the ukrainian president hey do me a favor right right and he wanted to investigate joe biden on corruption and well, i'll tell you what as soon as he was like faced with these allegations he goes i'll call china and tell them to do the same thing well, he said it which basically if you've ever seen the show veep like there's a uh um selena myers the president yes uh, she says something her. about 
Uh, oh, she says the magic words on a press conference. It's veiled. It's like you didn't know it, but she said yes. And something about as soon as she said the word, I think it was on Tibet. As soon as she said the word Tibet, like the Chinese knew that they needed to do their part to, to help her win the election. So, but you know, Trump's trying to get. I mean, because the question is, oh, he's trying to investigate the 2016 election out of uh, for corruption because of the, what they think Hillary's server was over there. Anyways, like. I don't know. I, the, the thing that gets me about this impeachment stuff is Republicans are like, oh, they're trying to validate the 2016 election. I'm like, that's not what it is. He, he in his, as a president, tried to get people to do a favor for him uh, for political purposes, right? He was and why would he validate the 16 election? He won. Right. Who cares what people think or anything? He well, won. he wanted to prove that Hillary Clinton and Ukrainians and Joe Biden were all corrupt, right? And so, Whatever. I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting that, I mean, because folks are like, well, he's just doing invest- he's just investigating corruption. Uh, it's like, well, if the Ukrainian government said they were investigating Joe Biden, that does impact the 2020 election because there's, right. there's argument that it's not impact. Like he's not doing anything to impact the 2020 election. The other thing is it's a political rival. Right. So which makes it personal, because the other argument from Republicans is presidents do this all the time. Yes, but they do it in the best interest, the national interest versus she their own she Nancy Pelosi now. So, <laughs> I don't know, it's just one of these things that I keep hearing over and over again. And I'm like, Geez. <laughs> but uh, 2020, okay, maybe Nancy. Maybe there will be a president, you know, a candidate to uh, to finally take him. I don't. I'm not confident the Dems are going to win, but the field is finally narrowing. You got a uh, uh, work that he's out. Kamala sh- uh, shedding folks from her staff. So uh, and you see that that gay president or that gay candidate. Mayor PP. So he's increasing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Whoa! You talking about PP and increasing? Hello. Oh, <laughs> But yeah, he's going up in the polls. He's it's, they say it's going to be between either Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, Biden or Booty Boop. That could be interesting <laughs> though, like uh, because I mean I feel like Bernie's going to lose some. I mean he's got that uh, faithful uh, following, but he does. Yeah, I mean he's he he. I don't see how he wins Iowa. But I would see. I would say like to Bernie, it's like Elizabeth Warren is really in sync with his views so he just needs to drop out because and the health issue i mean he's gonna i mean i know folks are like you're not i mean but it's one and thing you know that you elizabeth were, warren has so much energy she's what, just she's ready to go for 20 years and it would be one thing if he were 53 and had a heart attack the guy's 76 how old is he and had a heart attack like it, i know i don't know. don't let lady bunny hear this do y'all follow Lady Bunny on media? <laughs> she's a Bernie bro, hard. It's like cool. hardcore Bernie, but it actually makes sense. I mean, people have discounted him from the beginning, and he did very well in 2016, and he's doing very. He's like number one in many of the. Oh, he early is. State he is. Yeah, yeah. It, so why would he get out? Right, right. Exactly. I don't think he will, but I just like I don't. But at some point, I feel one of them needs to back because they have similar views, and they are probably. Fifty percent plus of the Democratic vote. I mean, they'll get out once they see no clear path to the nomination. Hopefully, but he stayed in way longer last time. Well, and he's got the backing. I mean, that's it's all about money, right? And so that's a, that's why Beto. I mean, bless his heart. Like I started seeing at the end of October, he was just like, "We need money. We're not going to make it." And I was like, "Oh, this is going downhill." Um, and so, uh, I mean, as long as these guys have money, which is Mayor yeah. Pete's getting money, then that's how they get to stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. He prefers Mayor PP. Oh, yeah, that's his nickname. <laughs> right. In bed. Anything else happened this week? Nothing exciting. So um, same. He made me say it again. What? Nothing exciting. Nothing exciting. Happened, huh? yeah. Nothing exciting. All right. So, Kendall, uh, are you sad? I'm kidding. <laughs> are you sad, Kendall? 
Nope. He loves right. his non-exciting life, <laughs> as do I. Yes, <laughs> it's all good that way. All right, so hey, uh, are you a small business owner trying to do it all? Take marketing, for example. Nowadays, your business has to have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn account. Who has the time to take pictures, write posts, and get them posted online, let alone like, comment, share, and respond to followers? Don't worry, Economy Works is here to help. Let the Economy Works Talent Network help you do marketing so you can grow your business. Economy Works. When we work, the economy works. Woo! All right. So this is going to be a very uh, AIDS, HIV themed uh, um, episode because it's going to be, we're talking about this topic and it's all revolving around the 80s, which at the time was very mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of an ominous time for, for you know, the AIDS crisis. Uh, and, you know, think about what was going on. So I'm going to talk about an early frost, which uh, aired November 11th on NBC in 1985. And 1985, I mean, we still didn't know a lot about the the disease, AIDS and HIV. Uh, you had Rock Hudson die in October uh, 2nd, I think it was. And so that was a big deal. I mean, that was a, a moment yeah. uh, for Americans in the world, really. They saw this you know, famous, iconic Hollywood star, and he died. A big, it. brawny. Right. Yep. And, he, and so it all became, I mean, it was in the news all the time, but it all, it all became very real. And you had Ronald Reagan in September of 85 mention HIV for the first, or AIDS for the first time. So it was starting to get more than just, had like just you know a, a thing that was kind of in the in the back burner was really starting to come to the forefront yep. of of kind of the American consciousness and this movie uh, really kind of jolted what was a very uh, regular kind of banal uh, uh, lineup on TV because and if you remember the eighties they always had these um, <clears throat> uh, they had these date or evening. Uh, evening, evening TV shows, uh, t- TV. What do they call them? TV movies. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, made yeah. for TV movies. Yeah, made yeah. for TV movies, and so they had a lot. That was always very popular, and so you know, the Washington Post re- <clears throat> noted at the time, it's like when just when you think we're running out of topics, uh, issue oriented TV movies. Um, this format, you know, was had been worn threadbare. There comes an early frost, and so this was. It was kind of they knew it was going to be groundbreaking. Uh, because it was going to talk about HIV and AIDS for the first time. NBC, when they aired this, they also did, I mean, because they were kind of, they knew this was going to be a big deal. They actually had Tom Brokaw uh, air a special right after the the TV show ep, um, aired uh, to talk about the AIDS crisis. And so hmm. uh, <clears throat> they started out with an objective to kind of educate and dispel myths. Um, it was directed by John Ehrman, uh, if you guys know who that director is. He uh, directed Roots, so which was also very okay. popular. So he was yeah. coming. They had a big, big name. They actually wanted <clears throat> the NBC execs. They wanted uh, Paul Newman to direct because they really wanted to have this big uh, force behind a very controversial topic. But did he decline? Yeah, he didn't wind up doing it, and so I don't know if he declined. It just didn't okay. work out. <clears throat> and Supposedly so, he was bisexual too. Oh, yeah. By the really? Way. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of Hollywood insiders. And John Ehrman, I read one article that said he was. And when gay. I said Hollywood insider, I mean inside of In, Paul Newman. Inside of. Uh, but I couldn't confirm that. So when was he born? We'll do a episode about there him. There we go. Um, and what he noted about kind of his point, he's like, I, I figured out in my head that I was making a movie for his aunt Myrtle. Uh, he says that he thought when we wanted to make the movie so that she would realize that gay people are just as good as anybody else. She um, probably didn't even watch. Right. It was uh, it was written by Daniel Lippman and Ron Cohen, uh, who won an Emmy for the movie. But they're famously known for for a lot of their work, but particularly they they um, produced uh, Queer's Folk. So um, two gay men as well who so won an Emmy for this. It starred Aidan Quinn, who was you know coming off some popularity being in a show with. Uh, 
<clears throat> with Madonna and uh, so desperately seeking Susan. Um, they had rumored that Jeff oh. Dan- they wanted Jeff Daniels to star in this lead role. But uh, and then two other big hitting stars were his Aiden, um, Aiden Quinn's the, the people who played the Aiden Quinn's character's parents. So Ben Gazzara, uh, he was a big actor at the time. Um, he was in The Big Lebowski and Thomas Crown Affair afterwards. And then Gina Rollins. Uh, Spencer would know Gina Rollins from his favorite oh, movie, Gloria. <clears throat> she was also the old lady in The Notebook back in 2004. So, uh, but popular actors, they had some big names uh, that were starring. Uh, and really the story was about uh, this personable young gay lawyer who was stricken with the HIV virus. And as his health deteriorates, he start, and his name is Michael Pearson, uh, he finds that this physical agony is secondary to his mental anguish. And parents, uh, his parents also have to come to grips with their son's impending death mm-hmm. because at the time AIDS was a, it's a death sentence, right? Yeah. And you yep. won't recover no matter how much money you, I mean, it was a neutralizer in terms of society, right? And whether you were rich or poor. Yeah. I mean, like Rock Hudson yeah. died. Yeah. Uh, and, and they had to deal with their own longstanding fears and not just that, but in the movie he came out, he, he tells them that he's gay and has AIDS. Yeah. So it's time. both. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, the, it was a double whammy. Um, and so when the movie starts off, you know, they're this prominent family. Uh, they're having a nice dinner. The, the son, Michael Pearson, he, he's got a partner in a law firm. And they're, of course, you know, this handsome man. They're like, why don't you have, an, you know, aren't you dating anyone? And, you know, he kind of brushes it off much like, you know, we've all done at one point when people were asking us why we didn't have a girlfriend. Oh, I did. I said I had a girlfriend. <laughs> Throughout the first name, I thought it was Suzanne Plachette. <laughs> From Bob Newhart's show? Okay, but anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's your favorite. You said that to your parents? No, I panicked in eighth grade, and they were like, you say you have a girlfriend, what's her name? You couldn't just give a first name? Suzanne Plachette. (laughs) But none of them watched the Bob Newhart show. So they didn't know that? Oh, my God. Where does she go to school? Hmm? Well, I lied and said she went to a rival school. Like, what was near Alexandria then? Oh, my God. I don't know. People have to tell me. Or do they have multiple high schools? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right from we had like one high school. So. We were talking about our reliving our glory days of high school. <laughs> um, yes. Um, this movie did not uh, feature any high school students. They were all of age, um, well into their uh, adult lives. Uh, but they quickly got into it. Like in the early scenes um, after this dinner, you, um, they flash uh, to scenes where he's back at home because uh, he didn't live in the same city as his, his family. Uh, so he's living in Chicago. So he's back in Chicago, and you start to see him uh, experiencing symptoms of HIV, AIDS, uh, and uh, kind of that's where the, you know, the story, kind of within the first 10 minutes, the story quickly uh, takes shape that he's got this disease. He finds out, like if he went in because... He was having a cough, uh, and so he went into the doctor. He was feeling he wasn't just feeling well in general, which normally he was described himself as as a healthy man. And then uh, the doctors, you know, they checked his lymph nodes; those were swollen, uh, and so and he was coughing a lot. And so the doctor, you could see the doctor's face uh, in the movie where he was like, "Okay," he was asking the questions, didn't want to alarm the patient. But he was like, this guy probably has it. Because he, later he says he, he has lots of gay patients. And, you know, oh, yeah. So they originally diagnosed him with pneumonia. Because uh, they ran some tests. They said, you have pneumonia. And then they were like, oh, by the way, because he was in there. He was in the, the hospital with his partner. And they're like, are you guys together? And they were like, uh. Go gay together. He's like, 
Uh, <laughs> are you okay together? He was like, uh, yeah, yeah. He's like, I have lots of gay patients. And by the way, what you have, we tested it further, and you actually have AIDS. And so, of course, the, he's dealing with the, the trauma. Yeah. He just finds out he has AIDS. Um, you know, it was interesting how it played out because they, these, the, the man and his partner had been together for two years. And so they were like, well, how did you get it? And then the, the thing about this movie in terms of how they made it, they were trying to be very careful about what they were putting because they were trying to dispel myths and trying to educate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they actually, when they were making the movie, they had a, an aid specialist like on on staff. To, yeah. And so they and they mentioned that they were no, they were regularly updating the script in kind of real time to make sure that it was reflected. They reflected like current yeah. medical. Yeah. Right. And so and you can tell when the doctor's talking to the patient, like they're really trying to get out. They're trying to educate like, you know, you could be, it could have been dormant for two years. You don't it doesn't mean anything. And um, but uh, even the doctors didn't know then. Right. right. They, yeah. Details. They didn't even know what it, yeah, right. and what so, it was. And that's the, some of the things that kind of also bear out. They couldn't even spell HIV. No, they at the time. Well, when they first started the scripts, uh, they called it the gay. Uh, was a f- gay cancer? I mean, yeah, or, g- yeah, yeah. And so or they the gay plague. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what they were calling it, and uh, yeah. So the movie goes on. It, 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 I guess what I would note about the movie is uh, so when the guy comes uh, out to his parents, you know, the parents didn't have to deal with that, and basically the movie t- kind of takes you through the journey of him building his relationship with his parents, rebuilding it after he comes out as yep. gay and. Uh, with AIDS and then watching him struggle through the disease as well as his parents kind of dealing with that. I, I think there were some kind of no- noteworthy things about um, about the, the movie. First of all, it kind of talked, it, it provided the personal context of having HIV, of kind of going through the, pro- you know, the, not the process of um, acquiring it, but finding out that you acquired uh, AIDS uh, and that you could, that then it also dealt with the fact of kind of how you deal with the disease. Uh, it dealt with the complexities of a relationship. Uh, you know, when you find out you have yeah. you have AIDS, like how do you deal with your partner? Can you be intimate with your partner? It's those these sorts of especially things. at that time because I mean, well, and that they, it was a death sentence, and we didn't you didn't know how to prevent it or like really, I mean, you, you didn't know exactly. Right. So know. after he gets out of the hospital, he didn't want to sleep in the same bed with his partner. Yeah. He's like, what if I give it to him? Um, yeah, but and, if it comes through your sweat, like, right. yeah. And so the doctor was like, well, you can't pass it along that way, but, you know, you, you don't, basically, you don't want to have sex because we don't know how it, it could spread. But, I mean, imagine, like, all of a sudden, you're like, I'm never going to have that intimate touch because no one wants to yeah. touch me and I don't want to Wait, can I ask you all a question? Mm-hmm. If you're dating a guy or, or sleeping with a guy or whatever, and they're non-detectable with HIV... Do you think would you be mad if they didn't tell you that? I would be mad or if, if they, they told didn't. you after you had unprotected sex. Oh, I'd be mad if they didn't tell me up front. Yeah. Even though they're non detectable. Yes, because I, I just feel it's like um I mean I know the science says like, you know, undetectable is like ninety nine point whatever percent as much as like not having it. But it at that point it's also like honesty. You just want I mean, the thing is if I met somebody who was HIV positive, like it wouldn't be an issue for me, but I would want them to be honest about it, like before we had sex. Yeah, I dated a guy and we had had sex a few times without protection, and then he told me he started crying and told me he has HIV and he's and the not thing detectable. Is that- and I always felt like it was always in the back of my mind when we were having sex, but I think it was more so because you hit it. And the thing is, I do feel like. Um, 
I don't know. It's it's for for because I have a a straight friend who she she is HIV positive because her husband had an affair and didn't mm, tell her, and she just goes for a random like you know physical or whatever. They're like you're HIV positive, and she's like what? And so she and like her husband subsequently died. Um, but she said every time she meets a guy, she'll go out on two, three, four dates, and then when they get to the point where it's like okay, they might get intimate, she goes. I just bawl every time, and I just dread it. And I'm like, God, I can't imagine that. Well, yeah, you know, like I mean, it's just yeah. The stigma, well, right? women don't think they're going to get it, even though they have the highest. Certain groups of women have the highest percentage, fastest growing rate. Yeah, Oprah and she was married to you know like somebody who shouldn't have been cheating, and so she shouldn't have. But yeah, Oprah did an episode, um, like her one of her last seasons, so around 2009, and one guy had given several women more than five women HIV, and he knew it, and he gave it to him on purpose. And these women were Wait, older. Wait, he gave it to him on purpose? Yeah. He knew he was going to give it to him. He didn't bother to tell him. fucker. So Dude. five of them came on the show, and they were all devastated, and they wore wigs to conceal their identity, um, and they act like their life was over. But at that time, the drugs, it was just a chronic disease, basically. Yeah. And even Oprah was like, ladies, it's going to be okay. But I think it's a different... Women don't think they're going to have it. It's a gay man's disease still to this day. Mm-hmm. I think so. They don't even know. Like, if you're a gay man, you know about PrEP, and you know that it doesn't yep. have to kill you, and you know certain questions to ask and all that. For women, it's like, am I going to get pregnant or not? Well, you know what's funny? So this was probably about seven or eight years ago, but um, I was hanging out with some straight friends, and um, the subject of, like, protected or unprotected sex came up, and I was like, yeah, as a gay man, you always have protected sex like if you're just out at the gay bar and you like i mean there is a you know like one in like like a very rare instance you're like okay i'm caught up in the moment i really want to do this fine it'll be unprotected but i said you pretty much like always if it's somebody you don't really know you have protected sex as a gay man and so my um uh friend her boyfriend he said you know he said Dude, when I was in college and going out in Midtown in my early 20s, he's like, it's quite the opposite. He goes, you just ask a girl, are you on the pill? And if she says, yeah, he's like, you just have unprotected sex. Yeah, I'm Latino, so we get everyone pregnant. I was not going to (laughs) have unprotected sex with a woman. Like, that was just not – because I was like, I'll get her pregnant. Like, that would be the thing. But, I mean, I would say – Tony, you got a girl pregnant? Yeah, Tony got a girl pregnant. uh, (laughs) I thought I did, but (laughs) – but it's like – Turns out it was a man. But his thing was, yeah, you just don't think about it. You just ask her. And so maybe you, because you're from, you know, like... A fertile family. Yeah. However, you're from San Antonio, and San Antonio has one of the highest rates in the country of um, HIV. Oh, they do? Yeah. But, I mean, his thing was, and I would say most straight people in college and stuff like... They probably are like, yeah, are you on the pill? Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's I I don't think it's like, because I feel when you're gay, you just assume if I don't know this person, there's a high likelihood they might be HIV positive. And so if it's just a rando at the bar, I'm going to have protected sex. No, actually, my, my mentality was the opposite. I was like, I would rather get HIV AIDS. This was as a high schooler. Uh, 
uh, in college student, I'd rather get HIV than get someone pregnant because if I got HIV, that was just going to impact me. Like if I got someone pregnant and then was in yeah. the, like that was to me because my family isn't like, that everyone, crazy. Everyone got everyone pregnant. And, like th- that was something that happened. You got pregnant too early. Then you were in this relationship you didn't want to be in for the rest uh, of your yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I was just like, and then you raised these kids who knew they were in a rela- like born out of relationship. I'm like, I didn't want any of that to happen. And yeah. So, like I said, I would have rather dealt with that. I mean, but so. Having sex, straight sex, it was definitely rubber all the time. Gay sex, I did because I was just always paranoid that I would. And you said things like, "Let's go to Pound Town." And I never said that. Really straight things like that. But every uh, time he brought a girl home, he's like, "No." On the on the aspect of kind of stepping out on your partner, like this is that's how he acquired. That's how he got the disease. His partner uh, stepped out on him, and so while he was because the guy, the main character, Michael was a was a. was a lawyer so very kind of into his career and so he was spending a lot of time on a case and then so his partner uh cheated on him and so a couple times uh, with different people and so he was you know he was the one who kind of passed it passed it on and so i mean i I think that was an interesting aspect of it too because that's a reality of how relationships Mm -hmm. work to some extent yeah and so not all of them but that's that's definitely a reality so how it played that out i thought was interesting as well um uh, I think too the his coming out uh, to his parents that again it wasn't just coming out as HIV positive or with AIDS but also coming out as gay, gay yeah yeah and I think the way they played that out not that that was a new storyline for the times but it was it was something that was they the way they had the dynamic between the his struggle and then kind of how he was relating to his parents because I, I do think sometimes as gay people we just expect everyone to just accept it right accept 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 but we have to realize that the people that we're talking to sometimes have to go through their own grieving process. It's not to say that, you know, but I just feel because it, he lashed out at his parents in one scene and it was just like, they were like, you just told us this. Now yeah. that said, his dad almost punched him in the, like when he told him he was gay, but uh, I don't think that's right. But my point is he, he was immediately saying minor detail. Well, no, I mean, it was, it wasn't that yeah. aspect. He was like, dad, why don't you accept me? And there, and or he was telling, maybe he was telling it to his mom and his mom was like, You've never told us any of this, so like you have to give us a minute to process. It is true. So I actually have a friend who he's my age, so he's forty, and you know I I had no idea. We were like really good friends before grade school through high school, like we were tight. And then of course we both go our separate ways because he goes to college, I go to college, whatever. And you're not tight anymore, right? Well, you're very loose. Of course I am, Kendall. (laughs) <laughs> but it doesn't tighten up so he was married to a woman and he just came out a couple years ago and as soon as he came out he just expected his parents to be like yeah we're cool with that and you know he has a lot of bigoted uncles and stuff and so his mom is like her biggest thing is i love you and i want to support you but of course your uncles will disown me as well as like you and you live a few hours away but i see them every day so um but he was very much from the day he came out. He was like, "I want my boyfriend at all family functions," and and so they kind of talked to me a little bit, like his sister did. She's like Tony, and I was like, "Well, I was like, I understand his point, but I was like, I also understand that, like, you know, your parents they just found this out, and I had no idea he was gay. He is almost forty, and so." They do need a little time to adapt because, you know, I mean. Well, and, and in this movie, like the guy, the dad, the dad was telling his son, he's like, you just went away. Like you went, we got you off to college. You went off to college, got your big job. We talk once a week. 
I ask you how it's going. You say everything's fine. He's like, so it, when you drop this, like, I'm gay, like, here I'm thinking you're going to be married to a woman. And I get it. Yeah. I, I get it that there's some old old stories in terms of you're supposed to just marry a woman. But if that's all you know, like. But, you know, we also, when we hit puberty, well, I mean, you you all, like, knew earlier. But, like, I knew when I hit puberty, when I was probably in, like, seventh or eighth grade, that's when I knew I started to know that I was gay and so I was able to, like, accept that from the time I was, like, 13 or 14 till I was, like, 28 or 29. So it took that long. Whereas, like, when you drop the bomb on your parents, especially, like, me, everybody always knew, so it's, like, a bit easier. But if you're somebody that, like, I had no idea, you can't accept expect your parents to just, okay, most parents. Yeah. You know, they have a acceptance process, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, Kendall. Your thoughts? I mean, because you're so well. I've said that many times. Yeah. That parents have. You come out, <clears throat> and it's like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better because I told you. Maybe. But it's you were struggling and with then it for now years. Your parents are now in the closet. As yeah, because they're okay. just and learning they're this. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, like you unload everything onto them, and they have to deal with it. However, I also say that we have to be more understanding as gay people, unfortunately, because we have to be the more mature one, mm-hmm. because. What we're saying is we shouldn't expect our parents to be loving, caring, I love you no matter what people. They have to have time to find their way into that. And I think it's different, though, like, and I say the word grieving, it makes it seem like death. I mean, but their notion of But they are, they're grieving the child they thought they were going to have. I think it'd be different if you were out the whole time, like, if you were, knew you were gay and embraced that aspect yeah. from the moment you were four years old to uh till adult it would be different because your parents have been but on i think one thing one emotion parents go through is acceptance of this but they also go through being gay is a bit of a tougher life in a lot of ways especially if like you know you find out when your kid is younger and they've got to go through school and be bullied and you don't want that for your kid so part of it is probably like i don't want my kid to go through this and part of it is probably their self I'm not going to say selfish, but they're – I just selfish. I just want Ke- Kendall to, like, find a nice girl, have two kids, white picket fence. It's a selfish – okay, look. Your dad can't brag about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to talk about Jimmy, um, which instantly comes to mind with you and Jimmy doing the bed or behind the dumpster Ooh. or, you know. Well, that's what when someone was he was saying in the movie is like you don't have to come out as as straight pretty much. He's like, why do I why I don't talk because his boyfriend was pressuring him like why don't because he wasn't out to his parents like why we've been together for two years why haven't you come out? And he was saying you know we don't talk about sex, but that's immediately I mean it wasn't like his boyfriend whose yep. parents were fine with him being gay. He was like you don't talk about sex, but to your point, Kendall's like you say you're gay. It's immediately like who are you in the bedroom with? And so that's and know, the moms. The moms are like, well, I wanted grandkids, biological grandkids, it's, which is a selfish. Right, yeah, yeah, that is. That's is. totally selfish, yeah. But, but I do think it is going to change over time, right? Because the more kids can come out at a younger age and yeah. really live their life, then the parent, again, goes on that journey. So it's not on a, uh, you're 40 and at, like gay, like what? Yeah. It's like, oh, we've known you but were I, gay I since do you were feel six like, years old. I guess I have a couple of comments. So one... Uh, there was this guy that years ago when I first moved moved here, I had dated a couple oh, – I just went on a couple dates with. But he is from – I don't even know a small town, but he's from, you know, New Mexico. And um, his dad, like, when he found out he was gay, when he told his dad he was gay, he was – his dad was okay with it. 
But then he went home one holiday, and his dad, he, his dad was some blue-collar worker, worked at, like, some factory or something. And he was home for a holiday, and his dad's coworkers were like, oh, well, you know, so, like, so-and-so's son is gay, blah, blah, And they started teasing him. And he, he basically went home and threw, the, threw his son out, and he said, get out of here. I, I, I can't deal with this. And so it's weird that he was okay with it when, like, okay, you're gay, that's fine. But then he couldn't face the backlash of, you know, his coworkers teasing him. I think you need to, yes, have patience for your parents and be more mature than they are and also push them at the same time. Yeah. When I was in between semesters at LSU when I was 19, I was already out, and I would – I came home from LSU, staying with my parents, but my boyfriend lived in New Orleans. And Dad said, if you have a boyfriend, you can't live here anymore, so you can just leave. So I said, bye. Bye, Felicia. I'm willing to put that on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know you don't mean it, so I'm going to call your bluff. Yeah. You're acting ridiculous, and this is a form of control. But I, I think you're right. I mean, we've got to talk about our lives more. I mean, I always go back to the episode of Will and Grace where uh, they, where Will came out to his, well, no, it didn't come out to his dad. It was this right before his dad, spoiler alert, Will's dad dies. Um, <gasps> but, you know, they had their final argument, and, you know, Will was coming at his dad because he's like, oh, you don't want me to be gay. And they're like, no, you just never told, you don't bring any boyfriends around. We don't know anything about your life because Will was upset because. They were giving his childhood blanket away to Grace. And he's like, what if I wanted to say that for my kids? And they're like, we, you know, again, Will's character's in his 40s. Like, you've you never want kids? told yeah. us any of that. So why would we just expect, like, we can't assume our parents, I mean, yes, you would think, well, if I'm gay, why can't I have everything else like a straight couple has? But for old school parents, like, you got to, I think we have to, we have, have, have an obligation to kind of bring them. I don't know if the obligations are right, but we have to help them on the journey, right? And we can't just I, – I think for us to just assume automatic acceptance is And also, is though, difficult. it's – I raised you not talk about gay stuff. I mean, that what you're describing, that show, um, the movie, we, I would not have been allowed to watch that. Yeah, yeah That yeah. was basically right. like watching oh, rated R yeah, rated yeah, yeah, yeah. movie because yeah. of the topics. So when you raise a kid, don't talk about being gay. Or when you laugh at gay people or when you say it's a, a sin. I love the sinner, hate the sin type thing. You're telling someone shut up and don't talk to you. You know what's crazy? It. Okay, you so. You cannot break that habit overnight. And so we're talking about this movie in the 80s. So this is, um, you know, 2019. I had a conversation with a coworker today who is from New York City. And she has several people on her side of the family that are gay. Her husband has several people, like her uh, husband's. Uh, mother is gay. She's a lesbian. She's been with the same woman for years. Um, and and she's very liberal, very outspoken liberal, supportive of gay rights, supportive of, you know, a lot of liberal causes. Um, but she was talking today about, uh, so I, I made a comment about my, I said, yeah, my friend, she's, it's weird. She's very Republican in a lot of ways, but her five-year-old likes to get his nails painted. And she said, well, you can paint your toenails because I don't care if you paint any nails, but if you paint your fingernails, kids will tease you. But if you paint your toenails, you go to school with shoes on. Who cares? And she goes, I don't know how I feel about that. She goes, I don't want kids painting their nails or boys painting their I don't want boys dressing up. She goes, I have a friend that her five-year-old likes to wear dresses. And she goes, I would not let my five-year-old. I said, 
why would you not let your five-year-old wear dresses? Like, if he wants to. She goes, because it's like he's going to get teased. And I was like, but if he wants to do that and you say no, you're telling him at five years old you need to be closeted. And he might not be okay with not being closeted till he's 30. And she's like, well, I just feel he's going to get teased. And I'm like, he's going to get teased regardless. And let him be himself. And she's very liberal, you know. She's and it's twenty nineteen. Well, I don't know. It's not- we feel like I, I mean, Spencer and I have this conversation. Like he likes to wear makeup and paint his nails, and he's purchased heels that he's going to wear out. Like, but it's been a like a, a shift for me. It's like okay, this is something I have to get used to. Like this is how he wants to express himself and how he feels. And so, but it's been. I mean, you have to just like you have to get over that. I mean. Parents have, as much as we have, an, uh, we need to help our parents and you know, people that we love kind of go on this journey. At the same time, that as we're putting it out there, they need to accept it. Like, I don't yeah. care if you like what I'm doing. And so I've had to, you know, accept whatever Spencer's, and accept is a bad word because it's just embrace and love all aspects of yeah, what yeah. it does. And guess what? You can't a, force your parents to accept you. No. But they don't have to accept. People right. don't have to accept you. Right, but exactly. You have to be in a place that's like, I'm still going to be me, and I'm still going to do Yeah, even if you're yeah, not accepted. And that's the hard – yeah, it's the hard part. Yeah, so, I mean, the other thing I, I thought was interesting about the movie is, again, it not only dealt with the coming out, but how to deal with the disease itself. I mean, it, it talked about – in one instance, he's, uh, there's a scene where they're in a support group, and so you're hearing you're seeing all these other people with AIDS and how they got it. Um and just kind of the things that are associated with that, you you know, you're losing friends uh, on on a regular. One of the the characters in the movie, uh, who was kind of a, a scene stealer, a scene stealer. He was John, the actor's John Glover. Uh, he played this flamboyant gay guy. And one of the comments he makes in this support group uh, is like, "Well, it's hard to you know make dinner par- plans for dinner parties these days because all your friends People are, are dying." dying. Yeah. yeah. And so, but you know, the the main character, his he was like, "Oh my gosh, you can't joke like that." But he's just like, there was that dark humor that the yeah, gays it's... have, especially in that. I mean, you look at the movie, uh, the show Pose. I mean, you see the same thing, right? It's just like it was just how you dealt with the tragedy yeah. uh, because not only was your body falling apart but people didn't want to be around you another guy in that support group he talks about how he was he told his boss uh that he had hiv and he said they were like well what happened he's like i got fired and now i don't have health insurance i mean these were the realities that were going on yeah and we talked like a couple episodes ago about um uh leonard matt levich yeah who yeah. uh you know he was the one that challenged the um, armed forces about their gay policies and one of the things he lobbied for when he became a gay rights activist was air, a lot of airlines wouldn't let AIDS people with AIDS fly because they, they didn't know how contagious yep. it was. And so they're like, yeah. Well, and they dealt with that too. So not only did you see the main character's personal journey, but you also kind of dealt, saw how other people had to deal with the il- illness. Medical professionals, there was a scene where uh, the main character was having an attack, and so his parents called the, you know, like a, a, a medical, like like a she- seizure. And so his uh, his parents called the ambulance, and the ambulance, really, they were like, is he on any medications? His mom's like, oh, he's on this medication. And the paramedic was like, well, why is he taking this? He's like, well, he's got pneumonia. He's like, what else does he have? He's like, he's got HIV. He's like, well, we're not taking care of him. Like, and so that was a turning point for the dad because he realized like his son was gonna die. It wasn't mm-hmm. just he has. It wasn't it the gay him being gay and him having HIV being a disgusting person that he didn't know kind of went out. He was realizing like my kid is vulnerable. He's gonna die. 
and these people aren't going to save like so that was kind of the the story i thought that was interesting twist for the parents but um like i said the medical professionals they didn't take him to the hospital so they took him on their own because they they were like we're not going to get aids or hiv yeah. from this patient the other thing was the family so again the family dealing with not you know it went past of he's got this gross disease because he's a bad person but he's got a terminal illness and he's going to die now that said his sister who was like an ally and knew he was gay uh when she found out he had aids she wouldn't let him go around his uh, her her kids and so well she had one kid and so he, and there was one scene where the the kid was gonna come up and uh, hug his uncle and she was like get away it was this, like very dramatic scene and then she wouldn't meet meet up with him while he was visiting uh, because she she was pregnant and she was scared she didn't know if she was gonna get HIV or yeah. AIDS. so she was very it was kind of just dealing with all those different things um, and then again I mentioned the employers kind of realizing how they they didn't know so they would just fire you but the impact on that was real right I mean if you yeah. fired your employee who needed those health benefits then uh you, you you lost them so but i guess we won't have that issue anymore because elizabeth warren has a plan for that right anyways um the last thing uh, you mentioned a little bit about the physicians kind of being in the dark about this disease uh there was one scene where the physician was like look we're understaffed we're under budget we have no way to support this because the mom's kind of um appealing to the doctor like how can you know my are you telling me my son's gonna die and he's like, yeah, he's, he's going to die. And she's like, no, we don't, isn't there something we can mm-hmm. do? And that's when he was like, you could see he was stressed. He's like, I see people die every day. And there was a point when he was saying that. He's like, I saw a couple die. I saw a, a man die of a blood transfusion. I saw a little girl die. Like he was basically in that that speech he was giving. He was telling folks that like it's not just gay men who get disease. It's everybody who's impacted by this by this disease. The impact of the movie, I mean, was pretty significant. Like I said, it was there was other shows that uh, had talked about the topic, but really this one was kind of fully fully dedicated to this guy's journey and educating people on on the disease. But it won four, oh, it was nominated rather for fourteen Emmy awards and won three, uh, two for the writers and uh, one for uh, the yeah two for the writers and I'm one for like cinematography. No, but Whoa. you know they were. There was one article that was noting like these guys were looking in, in retrospect. Fourteen Emmy nominations, they only won three for a made-for-TV movie. That's yeah. pretty awesome. But they're thinking like well, we should have won. I mean, it was actually a well-made movie. I mm-hmm. mean, that's, there there was articles in L.A. Times, Washington Post, New York Times, and they were all giving kudos to the movie of not just the topic, but it was well-made. So they were like, was there a stigma to coming? You know, associated that's a good with point. That. Yeah, the actor who uh, who played um, uh, eight. Uh, who played the main character, you know, he thought he was, Aiden Quinn, he thought he was going to get, like, some, you know, a big boost in his career, and he's like, I didn't really get any big parts after that. He thinks that maybe that that uh, had a role in it. Um, like I said, it was a, there was a breakout moment for John Glover, who, interesting, was in the, the, the played a part in, uh, actually, it wasn't John Glover, it was another character, um, but one of the characters was in The Normal Heart, which you'll talk about in a bit. Really? Um, the other thing I would say about the movie, though, in terms of its impact, I mean, really, um, well, first of all, it took a long time to make. Two years to make, like, 12, 12 rewrites. Uh, one, they were trying to get the, the medical information. Oh, right, right yeah. But they Wait, had, it took two years to make in 1985? Yeah, so. Yeah, but we barely knew about AIDS in 1983. Well, they started, they started writing it. Um, they were trying to get the medical information correct, but they also had a lot of pushback from the NBC execs. Now, interestingly, that's how most of the retrospective— I could see that, yeah. Um, 
articles. That, so there were articles written in 2010 and 2015 about the impact of the movie. But there was one article from in the LA Times that had a rosy picture of how like the NBC executives were just embracing that. But there's other mm. accounts where these yeah. folks are saying, no, no, they you had the, uh, not the censors, but the people from the network who were like, can't say this, can't say that. They actually wanted the the characters to kind of be um, like they didn't want the characters to touch they wanted no embrace of homosexuality they almost wanted this the main character to be a villain and the director was like no that i'm not having any of that like if that's the case then i'm not we're not doing doing this, this yeah so he really pushed for that again as i noted before making sure that people knew that gay people weren't a bad thing yeah like, yeah like, like he said he was writing for his aunt um it really again it was kind of a a a, a First of its kind, again, because it, it really kind of did a deep dive into the topic. And you didn't really see anything else on this topic until, actually, Oprah Winfrey did an episode in 1987. <gasps> oh, Oprah. What was this episode? Well, first of all, it sounds like gay guys go through a lot of shit. Do you think? You know which gay guys go through the most amount of shit? The tops. <laughs> It's because they go. And, the, were you talking about Oprah, please? It's because they go through <laughs> the back classic. door. They, they go. They go through the back door to get inside, right? Yeah. Is that how it works? I don't know. I hear that's uh, that's the muddy entrance. Okay, so back to Oprah. We want to appeal to My all listeners. My topic is going to so. be about AIDS because it's AIDS on top of AIDS on top of AIDS, but with some Oprah sprinkled in. So. And on November 16, 1987, Oprah did an episode about um, a little town in West Virginia that freaked out when they found out a local 26-year-old guy who had AIDS swam in the community pool. I heard about this, yeah. And the backlash was huge to where Oprah went. She rarely did on-the-road show tapings, but she took the show to West Virginia to do the entire audience was made up of the locals. Can I, before you go there, I want to say something about the movie that I've... I, you can find it on YouTube because I was talking like I'd you seen can it or can't. You, you can. It is available on YouTube. So if you wanted to check it out, check it out there. Before I forgot, so sorry, Oprah. Yeah. Oh, I'm still will, talking actually. about his topic, bleeding in the mind. Hey, I don't want to. Thank God you guys don't hate each other, yeah. though. I mean, thank God. Tops really <laughs> do go through a lot of shit. Keep your blood to yourself. Um. So Mike Cisco grew up in West Virginia and once he was young because he was effeminate he was always he didn't even feel safe in the town he said everybody made fun of him and he could not wait to get out so he accepted a job offer in Dallas felt a little bit better but this is the 80s mm-hmm. and contracted AIDS in Dallas and he back then it was a death sentence yeah so he was like I literally want to go home to die yeah um, Back then, you didn't know if you were going to die in two years or six, but it was pretty much there is no cure, there is no treatment. This is how it is. And you couldn't go just anywhere, right? I mean, like in this movie, it talks about like there was one character who got thrown out of his house. Like he found out that his roommates locked him out of his house and wouldn't let him. Yeah. And, like people were. Yeah, I mean, at the time, like landing. people didn't know. Like, could you get it from drinking out of the same cup? Yeah. Like, if your sweat touches me, I mean, people didn't. And and well, the thing is. Even though, like, medical professionals may have said, like, oh, well, no, this is how you contract it. People didn't know this was brand new. So I think there was just... Which was the backlash for him sitting at a pool. Which we'll get to that. So he's living in Dallas. He gets AIDS, and he's like, I just want to go home and be with my family. Mm -hmm. He comes back, and a lot of his family is very unaccepting of him. His sister moved out of the Probably the gay thing and the AIDS thing, both. Yeah, but it was mostly the the gay thing his sisters now say um so his sister moved out of the home he'd moved back into 
Um, another family member put a no trespassing sign on their yard so that he would know not to visit. Um, the family said you will not be buried in the... He said this on the episode. My family says I could not be buried in the family cemetery because... And Oprah said, why? Because your AIDS might bleed out into the ground and affect everybody? He said, yes. They think That's, the corpses are going to be infected with AIDS. You're going to give the, the dead people AIDS. Right? Um... So his family is treating him horribly. He has like one or two sisters. His mom was close. His dad was kind of accepting. Uh, but the town knew he had AIDS. He And it was actually in the local newspaper that so-and-so has AIDS. Mike Sisko really? has AIDS. God, yeah. And Oprah said, how did everybody know? And he was like, well, the rumors were always there, especially when I came back. He said, but one night I had planned to kill myself. So I went out and got drunk and wanted to drive off a cliff. This is West Virginia. And he said that was in the newspaper. <laughs> God, yeah. So it just feels very oppressive. That seems to be like a common theme. I mean, they're going back to the movie if we can. I mean, there was one where the main character. Oh God, back of the movie. He, he committed suicide. And then when they were in the support, well, he didn't, he didn't commit suicide, but he attempted to commit suicide. And there was another guy in the support group who was saying, why don't we just end it? He's like, why do we have to go through this agonizing death? So I guess that was a common thing that people were struggling with. Well, it's almost like going out on your own terms, too. Yeah. Uh, but he said, Oprah asked him why, like, how did that make you feel? He said, I was dying, and I thought they would overlook the fact that I'm a homosexual and maybe give me some compassion in my own hometown. But they never did. It was vicious. I mean, the rumors... Um, were all over the place about him. Well, it was because he was gay. Because, I mean... Like, Absolutely. It wasn't because he had... AIDS was scary. I mean, but. it was also AIDS, too, because remember Ryan White, which we need to talk about one day, a straight boy that contracted AIDS mm-hmm. um, through a blood transfusion, I think. And they wouldn't, they kicked him out of his own school. Yeah. So, yes, there is an AIDS thing, but we'll talk about in the episode how the topic quickly went from AIDS to gays are disgusting. Yeah. So he goes to the community pool uh, with his sister, and he's like, Sister, you sure I can do this? She was like, well, yeah, it's a community pool. And he said everybody was staring at him, and his sister said, okay, on the count of three, because you need to do this or not, because these people are getting, like, people were starting to harass them. So he jumped in the pool. The lifeguard told him to get out. People were screaming for the police to arrest him. Um yelling at him and his sister the mayor shut down the pool it was the front page of the local newspaper the next day like huge news he started getting harassed uh rumors were flying that he actually this was before he got in the pool there was a rumor around town that he would go to the grocery store and lick the watermelons which is so oddly specific right like don't you think we'd be up in the kumquats or oranges or something or the bananas Cucumbers. Exactly. Cucumbers. That was before the eggplant emoji. Woof. Oh. Simpler times. So he... Um, when everyone in. There were already these horrible things. rumors. And then it becomes almost national news to where Oprah goes and does the taping. And I watched the taping because you can still see a lot of the clips online. It is so... I couldn't even watch the whole thing because it's so sad. It's almost like 90% of the audience is saying... They're using the cover a lot of the times as you put our kids in danger and um, what if my kid had a sore or whatever and you're in the pool. Like just being in water yeah. is going to infect 
everything in that water. Chlorinated water that's going to kill everything. Yeah. Oprah had a doctor on there who was like, that's not how you get AIDS. And they were like, you don't know. Yeah. But there were, in particular, just a few vicious men. And they in the episode, they would say, one of them said, I'm repulsed by you. And we need to put you all on an island and let you just die out. God gave you AIDS for a reason. Um, this nah. is natural selection, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And here's this lone guy, like the only. Ah, yeah, it's just. You know, it's 1987. Yep. And he's being attacked by his entire town. And it's. Bravery for one. Yeah, and at the time, I mean, you have to put up with all this, and you have to put up with. There's no. Like, the medical community doesn't know anything. They can't cure me. Like, you're just facing everything. It's like. Like, right now, if you got cancer. At least your family supports you. It's like, and there's some medical technology to help you, but it's like, God, like, what desperation that would have been. You know, I mean. The only person to really defend him on the show was his sister on the show, because they did a recap episode in 2010, kind of where are they now thing. On the show, she's defending him with brown hair, and her name is Liz. Come to find out, she had changed her name for the show. Her real name's Tina. And she's really a blonde because she felt like she was in such danger. Her and her family yeah. and her own kids were in danger. Oh, I'm sure. Just yeah, yeah. to show her real face and name for being brothers with a gay guy yeah. who had AIDS. Specifically a gay guy because he moved because they yeah, yeah, yeah. he well, didn't you, feel safe how there. How do you know he didn't have it, right? I mean, she didn't catch it. Like, that's the ignorant perceptions that were going on. Yeah. Well, in 2010, when they did the follow-up episode... He has three sisters. One of the sisters is a lesbian. I was going to say. Out as a lesbian. Mm. Um, They were very sweet and poised, but she brought on some people that were yelling at him. The main guy that was most disgusted by him at all. And the guy was very not remorseful. He said, I wish I had said it in a different way, but I think gays are an abomination and it's a sin and they're going to hell and why couldn't he stay? He said, well, I don't understand why he couldn't stay in his own community. Wasn't that his hometown? Yeah. And this, one of the sisters was like, he came home to be with his family. Cause he like, was if you dying. Who are you to and say? And to die. Yeah. And Oprah kept saying, but who are you to tell a man he can't come home to stay with his family? Yeah. And he was like, well, I'm just sure there was better, better medical care in, oh, yeah. in a bigger city. Like he really cared about that. Yeah. So they did, Oprah did another episode, a behind-the-scenes episode of the second episode. I mean, she just did so many episodes on this one. Wow. How uh, saying that she was so frustrated because this is like, your, you, you would hope that this guy had remorse and it would change. But here he is, and they spent so much time in the taping being like, well, can you imagine it this way? Can you think of it this way? Like, has your opinion, it's been 23 and years. And this was, yeah, 2010, right? Changed. Yeah. And in 2010, I mean, yeah. So Mike Sisko died in 1994. He was 26 when this episode aired in, in 1987, um, but he died in 94. But to me, he's like one of those pioneers. Yeah. Not only to be openly gay and go on national television like that, but you are like, it's a brand new disease. Yeah. Can you imagine the original people and just every day living in you know coming from a small town everybody knows everything about you it's like 
my God, living just everyday life. He couldn't go to the grocery store without people discriminating against him. Like, I mean, another one of the rumors is that he had, he goes to he had worked at McDonald's and would try to infect all the food. He said, "I've never been into that McDonald's oh, yeah. that they're talking about. I've never been in that building yeah. ever. Like, there's it's not even close to. But that's how rumors yeah. happen." He said his family said later that. Um, he had hoped that the entire episode would have been like AIDS education and not about the gay thing. It quickly turned into gay. Yeah. They deserve this and we don't want him in our town. And anytime somebody would say something like, God doesn't like this and you're going to hell and all that, you would see almost the entire audience clap. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel there's this like group think or people want to be part of the cool kids and, you know, if one person, like a leader bully, starts some of this stuff, like people just follow suit, you know? Well, the sister Liz, who's actually Tina, who's actually a blonde, not a brunette, uh, stood up and said, "Half," she said, this town is shameful. Half the town ignores my family. What if he was yours? What would you do? Yeah. Like literally, what is... And, so, and sometimes I feel in instances like this, like even if you support him... You're going to be silent, right? You're not going to be vocal. You're just going to be like, well, I'm not going to get involved in that. Like, it just, it's hard. No, it was just his sister and a few people that were like, you know, the whole love the sinner, hate the sin thing. Yeah. Like, it's, the man's dying of AIDS. Yeah, for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. So he later moved to California where he died uh, in 1994, but he could Oh, he didn't move to California. Yeah, he could not wait to get out of that town. Yeah. Your life is literally in danger. Yeah. Oh my we god. We just of talked course. about Matthew Shepard. Was was it last? Yeah, Matthew Shepard and then James Bird. Yeah, yeah. yeah might yeah. have been two weeks ago. Um, so it's you can get killed just for being gay. Yeah. Anyway, so that reminded me of something I read just yesterday. It's actually happened about a year ago in a nightclub in the Philippines, but this lady commented on the Facebook page. I my straight girlfriends and I want to go to Nectar the nightclub, but we're not sure if it's safe to go. And the bar manager commented, "What do you mean safe?" She said, "Well, a lot of gay guys have HIV, and I'm just scared that we're going to contract HIV if we go." Wow, really? They don't come. And he said, "We're not safe from your stupidity. You should come here. That seems to be far more contagious these days than AIDS. Educate yourself. Yeah, and you're not welcome here. Good for him." You know, and it kind of went viral, but it's still to this day. And then Pamela was like, I'm not going to that bar. <laughs> it's a gay bar, Pamela. It's a gay bar, Pamela. Our t-shirts are on the way. Just kidding. I wish. <laughs> it's a gay bar, Pamela. I remember that episode. I remember Oprah and that big hair and that. That was her second season. Yeah. Really? I remember all those people with those bad hair. And so that's bold even for her in her second season. I mean, I know she's Oprah, but at the time she probably wasn't. She did it in a very, because back then she walked around herself and interviewed people in the Mm -hmm. audience and all that kind of stuff and she was far more like a journalist yeah we're like trying to show both sides and she um later in her years kind of like called out people but at this time it was very much like what's your side and what's your opinion yeah yeah it's sometimes watching it just being like call them out yeah she wasn't gonna do that and in the 2010 episode she was like I realized, she said, she, I rewatched the episode last night in preparation for this episode, and 
uh, yes, I had compassion for him at the time, but now I realize just how brave he was. Yeah. yeah. Just how brave. And it's absolutely You don't realize till, To stand yeah. in front of people that hate your guts. Like, I can't imagine. I mean, you talked, in a sm- yeah. you talked about going to the pool. Like, just something that he for him used to be just a thing he would do to have fun as a kid. And now he's, like, fearful. Like, can I jump in this pool? I think of, I'm, like, putting myself in his shoe. The, the neighborhood pool I used to go to and I'd visit my grandma. Like, we just did that for fun. We jumped in there carelessly. Yeah. And so to, then to go well, back. Even Oprah and, said, why'd you go to the pool? He said it was 97 degrees and we'd have air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, just so like. take that for granted. Yeah, exactly. But, Listen to this. So he died in 94. His, and the whole point was to be buried next to his mom, whom he loved. Um, the rest of his family, other than his sister, said, you're not going to be buried. They still did not want him buried in that family cemetery because his AIDS could spread out. Get the, the fuck out. Get into the dirt, well, I he guess. said that was like one of the most heartbreaking things for him about the whole thing, right? Well, listen to this. So you know what they had to do? Dig up his mom and put her in a different cemetery so that he could be buried next to her. Wait, so they buried the mom in a different cemetery. They dug her up and moved her to a different cemetery so that the family couldn't say, well, you're not putting him next to my daughter and my, you know, because it was all that, all oh my in that one God, cemetery. That's crazy, yeah. And then they asked, in 2010, they asked the, Oprah asked the lesbian, do you think things have changed? And she said, I really wish I could tell you they had changed, that people are less anti-gay. She said, but maybe it's geographic. It's not, especially for gay men. Yeah. They did still it, hate him. Did his mom get AIDS then? After she died and was buried next to him. Yeah. That's, that's the way it works, I heard. Yeah. Actually, that's what I heard. That's what you heard, huh? And I heard Mike licked watermelons <laughs> at the Piggly Wiggly. Oh, now you're spreading that. After rumors. he got off his... Um, no. No. Tony, you you want to talk to us? I mean, you're not talking like... Tony wants to know if he was cute. He was his was he beautiful cute? eyes, but he had ramen noodle mullet. Yeah, he had a mullet. You're not speaking I don't care. with compassion. Yeah, the, the mullet had a tight perm. You're not speaking compassion like you're, for the mullet. You, you're not speaking like you have a normal heart. <laughs> um, but it's interesting you say that about like her. Have things changed or whatever? Because um, so what I want to talk about tonight is there was a pretty drastic um, thing that happened in 1989 in Springfield, Missouri, over a production that was about. Uh, pretty much the AIDS crisis. So this week, November 15th, 1989, Southwest Missouri State, they did a theater production of the normal... Wait, that's a real college? Well, so now it's, now it's uh, Missouri State University, but at the time it was like Southwest Missouri State. Do we have any Missouri State fans in the, in the house? Uh, John Goodman and Kathleen Turner were alumni oh. of uh, Southwest Missouri any, State. Anyone? Okay. That's... Well, it did, and it was pretty. Actually, I'm going to mention our president during this episode. <gasps> <laughs> so, they Canadian decided Island. to do a production of The Normal Heart. So, this was 1989. So, the AIDS crisis was kind of in its infancy. So, for those listeners that don't know, The Normal Heart, it was a play written in the 1980s. It was subsequently made a movie by HBO in 2014, but it's largely about the AIDS crisis in New York City, Um, and it's told through, like, and actually the writer of the play, uh, Larry Kramer, it was kind of autobiographical, 
But it was told through the eyes of a writer slash gay activist who he wanted to be pretty vocal about the AIDS crisis. And a lot of his friends were, you know, I, I can be fired for having this or I can be fired for having friends that have AIDS. And so um, there was the whole controversy about like, uh, you know, should we be vocal or not? But at the time... Even the medical community was slow to react. I mean, I know the government was slow to react, but even the medical community was like, should we get involved in this? And so the play was largely about, um, you know, the AIDS crisis, slow reaction, people being closeted, you know, like both in their homosexuality and having AIDS and things like that. So Southwest Missouri State decided to do a production of The Normal Heart, and a the reason they decided to do this was to just raise awareness among the student body maybe the community but largely the student body and literally the theater director and the director of the play thought if we can reach a couple of students and it prevents them from getting aids then we want to do this play and that was their whole intent was raise awareness among the student body maybe we'll impact a couple of people to be like just be careful, you know. Um, so a state representative got wind of the university doing this play, and she was like, absolutely no. You have public funding. This is obscene. It promotes homosexuality. So she contacted the university and told them, I want you to either uh, not do this play or s- severely censor it. Uh, who is the one? This woman? Her name was Jean Dixon. She was a state representative okay, so uh, in Missouri. A local politician. Who, a local politician. Someone tipped her off to like... Yes, so basically somebody it. tipped her off. She read the play, and so she said, absolutely no, like you're getting state funding. And it, apparently at the time, there was a big movement among uh, like the National Congress of if you're getting state funding, you should, you know, like adhere to like public morals and things like that. So there was yeah, kind of a. They wanted to cut like the federal government. There was laws or laws that were being suggested or even passed. I don't know, but yeah, they to say we're not going to give you funding for if you're promoting yeah, and for like national endowment of yeah. the arts or arts and stuff like that. Like they didn't want uh, if you're doing certain things, you can't be eligible for that funding. Yeah, so they were, they were against endowment. No, <laughs> not like we. No, I'm kidding. Um, so. Uh, she basically talked to the university and they said, look, we have sought external legal counsel. We contacted the ACLU. And if we prevent the students from doing this, it like uh, is against their First Amendment rights. So like several protests pursued like uh, the weeks before the uh, opening night, which was um, uh, November 15th, 1989. And so these people, like, they had a media blitz. They took out full-page ads in local newspapers. They, um, you know, church leaders got involved. Um, they took out radio advertisements, things like that. And so as a result, students and supporters, they came out and they started organizing. And so they, like, you know, student uh, supporters, they had, like, these felt hearts that they passed out. Like, if you support the production, please wear a felt heart things like that. And so alumni from the university, including John Goodman, Kathleen Turner, Tess Harper, they 
flew back to Springfield to protest, and they said, no, you should allow these students to have this play. Which was some big names at the time. I mean, right, John yeah, yeah, yeah. was uh, gaining success from Roseanne. The Kathleen Turner was in... Serial Mom. Serial Mom. Yeah. Was she famous for no, she was uh, War of the Roses. Yeah, War of the Roses. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Future Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. So, um, and both sides had phone threats against them. Um, some of these protests in a town of 130,000 people had like 1,200 plus people. So the university said, we're going ahead with the play. So on opening night, um, they had actually, uh, all students involved with the play, this, the university just bought hotel rooms for them. And say, they said, while this play is in run, you will stay at a hotel. You're not going to stay at your house. Um, the protesters against the play showed up, and they were not allowed to breach the sidewalk. And so supporters had to line the sidewalk in a candlelight vigil to protect the actors from going into the building. Um, CNN was on the scene. It was kind of like a worldwide uh, media phenomenon. Well, and thank God for candles during gay protests, or else we would not know what to do with our hands. <laughs> Every gay pro- protest has a candle. Where was that candle been? <laughs> if you wash that candle off before you live. That's it. like the big joke with Pete Buttigieg. He doesn't know what to So is that a gay thing? Like, you don't know he what needs to a do candle. with your... <laughs> We should just give him a candle. So they say, like, He's you know, that's why if you're at a happy hour, you should have a drink so you can, like, know what to do with your hands. Yeah. That's why I always have a drink. I know what to do with my hands, yeah. That's why I always have a drink in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well otherwise, our limp wrist just flap in the wind. Oh, this is true. <laughs> so, um... On opening night, they also they had bomb sniffing dogs, metal detectors. Wait, there... did you say bomb sniffing dogs? No, that was me. Bomb sniffing. Bomb sniffing. <laughs> I'm the bomb sniffing dog. <laughs> um, there were undercover police officers amongst the audience. There were like several dozen uh, security guards. It was like people from there. They commented. They said, "I did not know my own hometown." Like on opening night, like this was just crazy. So on opening night, um, somebody had broken into one of the student supporters' house. They broke into his house. They locked his cats in a room. They doused the house with gasoline, and they lit it on fire. And it was kind of – and the whole thing was over this play of you're promoting homosexuality, you know, you're, uh, you know, obscene, all this stuff. And – like, they went to that degree where this poor guy, not only did they destroy everything he owned, but, um, yeah, they, and they locked his cats in. And he said, that was the thing for him. He goes, if they wanted to do that to me, that's fine. But he goes, they locked my cats in a room purposely before they, like, doused it in gasoline. And, and that's awful. when the lesbians marched and said, keep your hands off my cats. No, that right? is exactly. That's where the gay men started saying, your pussy's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, it was kind of a tipping point in the the whole controversy, and so all this history we're learning today. The so, origins of so people were just exhausted. Um, Jean Dixon, the state legislator, she actually called him the student, and she to offer her condolences, which I know is mm, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, uh, say I'm sorry, you're gay. <laughs> Donald Trump's sec in 1989. Donald Trump's secretary actually called this guy, and she said, "Donald Trump 
wants to offer his condolences and he wants to know what he can do. Now, it is, I couldn't find anything to, uh, about what he actually did. And it's kind of questionable what well, he, he actually He already fulfilled his goal. His goal was to insert himself in a publicity. Oh, he inserted himself. <laughs> what was it? What and was he it? grabbed him by the. Was it? What was it? His actual secretary, or was it uh, him disguising himself as a secretary? No. So apparently, he had a secretary call because apparently this made worldwide uh, news. Uh, this this event, um, and so Donald Trump heard of it. He had a secretary call and said, "What what can we do? And uh, we want to do something." But it remi- and like, they said, "Run for president." Well, thank you. Exactly. He's our president doing right by us now. Yeah. Um. He heard there was a dead pussy and he wanted to grab it. He's like, pussy's on fire. That's exactly what happened. Pussy on fire? He's like, let me grab that shit. He's probably the reason it's on fire. Um, He's spreading diseases, anything. I'm surprised he doesn't have HIV. I am surprised he does not have it. How do you know? Too much. How do you know he ain't on... (laughs) Um, So... He's not on prep. You know, he's not... He's not on prep because he doesn't know about it. Because you know what, Facebook isn't talking about, uh, isn't letting those prep ads out, right? I mean, they're looking. Oh, look but out. they're letting any uh, political ad just write what they want. They're not going to censor. Yeah. So Donald Trump can talk all the shit he wants about nonsense about mm-hmm. witch hunts and put those in political ads. But heaven forbid we educate people on prep. Anyways, sorry. Oh, so I know. Let's take I know. Us back to Missouri. Um. So, anyways, I it just. Over a simple play that was like, it's 1989, a few years past what we just talked about here. Let's try to raise some awareness for our students. That was the backlash. And this guy wasn't even gay. I mean, he was just a student supporter that thought these students should be allowed to do this play. And he lost everything he owned, including like, you know, his cats, which is kind of crazy. But they interviewed the theater director who was theater director at that time, um, 25 years later, and they said, you know, do you think it had an impact? And he he did say, you know, at the time, we wanted a few students to be able to, you know, just raise awareness uh, to a few students. Um, One of the things that they did as part of this play is they flew in a doctor from San Francisco to actually talk about HIV, and he said... We thought a few students from campus would be like, oh, I think I might have HIV or, you know, I might be exposed. Let me go to this. He said it was standing room only. And so he said, based on all this controversy, it actually had a beneficial effect because tons of people came out to hear this doctor. And it raised so much awareness, like really across the globe. I mean, apparently this was a worldwide, um, you know, uh, thing. Um, but it raised awareness about First Amendment rights, like really what is obscene, what is not obscene. Censorship. Yeah, censorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, they said, you know, do you think a lot changed? And he said, in Springfield, some some things have changed, but he said no. Like a lot has not changed Mm. in the last 25 years. But um, We just said that about West Virginia. I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of the other things that actually you know, came from this were, you know, the theater um, actually didn't shy away from anything in the future. They said, this did not deter us at all. We continued to just do what we wanted. We didn't, you know, take this as we shouldn't do things like that. Um, It had a much broader appeal than they ever thought. Um, And then 
one of their alumni, she actually made a documentary about this because she was like, um, her thoughts were, what a life-changing experience for those students. Like, you know, whether you were in the play or just on campus at the time, she thought, wow. And so, like, several years later, she actually did a documentary. And um, the purpose for her documentary was to, like, show this to people who were thinking of getting in theater and saying actors can have a real impact on, the like, the world. Because, I mean, all these people were doing was here's a play that's already been written in production for five years. Let's do it. And look at the controversy and, like, what an impact they had on the community. It was such a, like, an interest. I mean, the, the topics, though. I mean, you think about kind of the, the turnout that went for, for this play. Yeah. I mean, Oprah cites that episode kind of being one of her biggest episodes and one she remembers personally, right? And then, like, the, the early frost, um, when that premiered it had 34 million viewers which by the way none of these top rated shows get that many viewers yeah. 34 million viewers beat out Cagney and Lacey and Monday Night Football when it aired and so my I point mean the is thing like, is too at that time that was more than 10% of the American population yeah. and so my because we were like 280 290 my point is like people were fascinated by this topic like they were uh it was I was reading one article like they were reporting out on kind of the episode that just aired and they were noting that curiosity won the day. as much as people are like oh we don't like gays like curiosity won the day well maybe it was curiosity that killed those cats maybe i think that was the but i do feel like <laughs> when you when you talk about like curiosity or you know like there were probably like in springfield there may have been some straight people that are like you know, I've done a few things that, what if I'm exposed? Because as part of this uh, production, they flew in a doctor from San Francisco, and it was standing room only, and it's like, how many gay people are there in Springfield, Missouri, not standing room only? for like? I mean, Well, that's because John Goodman was there, and yeah. he takes up a lot of room. Well, he does. Well, I know <laughs> actors can touch your lives, because Suzanne Plachette touched mine. When the Bob Newhart show was Is that all she touched? <laughs> That's all she touched. That's all she would have let her touch. I don't she know. licked my watermelons. She licked your watermelons. I feel like uh, like we should have some sort of educational like tutorial on things. Like As much as we've talked about HIV AIDS, I mean, that's, that's, it's real. Um, there's still no cure for it. I mean, it's a, it's a manageable disease now that folks are manageable illness that people have with. I mean, I, I, I wish... The stigma wasn't there. It's still there. I mean, to your point, Kendall, when you talk about like having sex with people with, with HIV, AIDS, like it's one of those things that you still, there's still a stigma there. I don't think it's as bad as it was back in the 1980s, um, partly because we know more about it, partly because we see people living longer with, with it or surviving through it. Uh, but it's still a real thing. I mean, it's still impacting millions of, of people every day. I mean, the, the incident rate isn't what it was, again, back in the... Yeah, and you know, one thing that um, you hear now is, like, in some places, you know, HIV is actually on the rise. And I think it's because, you know, back in the 80s... Like, I remember 10 years ago when I was at this uh, Stonewall event... Uh, one of the young Stonewalls got up and gave a speech, and he said, you know, I've actually never known anyone who's had HIV. And Anise Parker gave got up and spoke after him, and she said, I was dumbfounded by that comment. She said, I cannot imagine a world where somebody has never, or he said, I, I've never known anyone who's, like, had HIV and died of AIDS. Oh. And she said, oh, I, yeah. she said, 
I am dumbfounded that you have never known anyone who's died of AIDS. Like, and that was, I mean, Anise Parker's probably, what, like in her 50s right now? And so the fact that, like, this guy's... Sorry if you're in your 40s. <laughs> so this guy is probably, he's probably my age. He's probably 40. And so she said, she goes, wow, in this short of a time period, we've made that much progress. But then, you know, now I think younger generations, honestly, like, they don't know it as a death sentence. And so they think, like, okay, if I get it, I might have to be on a bunch of pills, but it isn't a horrible death sentence that's going to lose me my job, lose me my family. And so that's why in some communities it's actually on the rise. So I think people are getting complacent about isn't it. Isn't the highest incident rate, like, among seniors over 65? Like, I, Is it really? I don't mean to laugh, but STDs, like, that's one of the highest no, incident not, rates. No, not HIV, though. It's... Um, God, for the longest time, it was African American women. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, I think we've we've come it's a long an, way among low income people too. I will say, not until maybe the last five years that I know people. I probably I knew I had one family member with the disease, but not until recently that I know people. I think more people are com- comfortable coming out mm-hmm. too because they know it's not a death sentence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you you've can, known people since the disease came out. They just people in the closet about it yeah. yeah 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 i think though i mean that what i've learned from our podcast and kind of the dailies we we post on social media is like we have we lost a incredible amount of talent to the this disease i mean just oh yeah a ton artists actors like just scientists like writer i mean all these fame i don't know, just talented people uh to this disease and i'm, I'm happy that we're we've come a long way with these but disease but it's not eradicated it's still there and we still yeah. have to be careful about um about how well we, we pick our topics and this was not an aids theme but our second topics like you were going to do your second topic was aids related coincidentally like you just once you start doing research for these shows you realize oh my gosh just yeah. how many people yeah i mean I, and i look again if if anyone who's listening is living with hiv aids i mean it's one of those things that uh it's a it, it's a journey that they're they're on and you know i guess we all are here to kind of support that as as a community and so um because it hasn't always been a great great experience for for folks so uh with that said any anything else i'll put it all out there you want to talk about um, sure did. Uh, your pussy on fire again Mm-mm, no i'm just gonna let it smolder yeah. Something smoldering. I don't know. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening to our podcast and kikiing with us. A special thank you to our nacho maker and sound guy today. The nachos were excellent, Woo! Spencer. Spencer. There was a hair in mine, but I think it was mine. That was your own. You put <laughs> your it pubic there. hair. You put that there. Don't it was you, great. Isn't that your like your uh, extra treat that you put in? One pubic hair on your meal. This is my treat. (laughs) It was Morky's pubic hair. Anyways, don't forget to subscribe so you can hear future episodes. I coughed it up. I think it was mine. You can visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. We're also on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. Leave us a review and tell us what you think. We, I mean, we're we're down to read a review on on Apple Podcasts. We got some doozies lately. I know. (laughs) And if you don't want to do it in public, you want to do it in private, you can send us the email at Let's. to my room. at <laughs> gmail.com uh, also don't forget to list give a listen to our sister podcast our spooky podcast Woo-hoo! Uh, which is available now and so with that we're here we're queer get used to it